And we are live. How is everybody doing today? We are here with Very Flow Upstream number nine. We've got a special Motley crew here. We've got Alex, Brandon, we've got Darius, and we've got Blaze, got the editor chief in Crackberry in the house. Decided to just swing by kind of last minute. So cool to have you here, Chris. Glad to be here, man. I've been following along with all of the episodes, so. I figured, hey, I'm not doing anything on Sunday. Might as well hop on and join you guys. That's, ex that's exactly our reason for doing it. It's like, well, we're not doing anything on Sunday yeah. anyway. So I want to do just some quick housekeeping here. Uh, we all are very close with Jeremy Duke. He just had his first child about two days ago, like brand newborn. Uh, definitely, like, we're getting Team BlackBerry members in young now these days. So hopefully, he can do a quick convert. Are there BlackBerry baptisms, or is that just a hard for much? <laughs> no, but let's get started here. Um, beginning of last week, we were looking at a blue image from uh, D. Habkirk, and it was of a blend beta on Passport. Did you guys happen to see that? Essentially, it just showed us a new look at, again, that refinement behind this much fabled BlackBerry blend. Yeah, I've seen, seen the screenshot posted of it, which, you know, obviously doesn't exactly show much, but it just leads to the further existence of what BlackBerry is declining to even admit actually exists. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is kind of funny, because so much of it has has leaked out at this point. It, it's, you know, it leaves you wondering why exactly BlackBerry hasn't said anything, because from everything that we know thus far, it's awesome, right? Right. Yeah, it can transfer your documents and everything like that. You can view your all the stuff that's essentially on your BlackBerry, but yet BlackBerry still has said nothing about it officially. So, right. Yeah, and and they showed off yeah. that you're able to connect it via USB, wireless over Wi-Fi or mobile network. And a good example of this is my friend just got a um, a MacBook Air. And he's considering switching from BB10 over to iPhone simply because he wants the connectivity between his phone and his computer. But BlackBerry Blend being this thing where you can connect it, hopefully, any computer over Wi-Fi or you know USB, then it doesn't matter if you have a MacBook Air and a BlackBerry 10 device. You don't need you know the same company to make your phone to get the connectivity there and BBM people from your computer, see emails and everything. So. Yeah. Very exciting. I think it's the closest thing right now that we're going to get to, uh, you know, BBM desktop uh, as of at, as of the moment. Um, you know, my, my thing is I kind of wonder about is uh you know, are you you know being able to take it from your own personal desktop to uh, your workspace? Um, is there going to be limitations? Uh, because you know, of course, the biggest thing with BlackBerry is you know providing security. So you know, if you're able to use your own personal phone, bring your own you know with the bring your own device thing going on in the enterprise space and uh, implementing blends with that uh, you don't want your personal business you know that you do have on your phone being exploited on you know workspace desktops so that's that's one thing I kinda um, you know wonder about and as of how you know BlackBerry is going to uh, kinda address that whole issue and whatnot. I think the uh, I think one of the reasons we might not have heard about blends yet is because there's still that question mark about what they're doing with uh, BBM and BBM on desktop, so um, maybe they don't know whether just they're just going to go with blends as the BBM solution for desktop, or maybe create a new, like full BBM application for desktops. 
I'm not sure. Um, I'd be interested to know whether uh, blends can be used um, in the cloud, like through a browser instead, of, or blend, not blends. And it could be used uh, through the browser um, as a cloud interface in the browser instead of needing an actual application on your device. I still call it blends too. <laughs> <laughs> it's habit now, like <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and, and it it kind of comes full circle with us in the sense that like we were hearing about blends or BlackBerry dashboard last August, you know, almost a year ago. And as 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 Blaze had mentioned, like it, they've been talking about it for a while, very like subvertly under undercover. It makes you wonder if they actually knew what they were building at the time. You know, it was still evolving with the strategy. I mean, that was back when Torsten Hines was, you know, looking at bringing this forward, and now we're looking at a whole different CEO. So, it's do we leverage this towards enterprise? Do we do this? Do we do that? I think honestly, strategically, right now, bringing BBM desktop, its own standalone version, into the enterprise space, along with an eBBM suite, is the smartest thing for them to do. And maybe bring that over, mm-hmm. bring that over to an uh, consumer level later. Blend right now. I mean, Alex, you've seen it kind of referencing other applications on 10.3, such as the music app. So is yeah. it really going to be this like kind of level two bridge plus BlackBerry link together? I mean, yeah, I mean, absolutely. When and when you're within the file browser of your, uh, well, the file manager in your phone, if you set it up to your computer, like I could access my CDE drive from my phone. And it's kind of like they've been preparing to kind of pair the two. So this is just natural progression. And there's been so much crap about Link not working very well. This is a perfect opportunity for them to rebrand BlackBerry Link and actually make it this useful tool that people want to install on their computer. Because a lot of people right now, they don't even want to install Link on their computer because they just feel like it's like bloatware because they just hear bad things about it. So, And that's the other thing that I found interesting as well because like they, if you look at all the documentation that has come out now, it actually says that you, you need the application on your computer. Like yeah. It's not something that just runs simply off of your device or anything like that. It has an application somewhere out there that runs on your computer. So it'll be interesting when they actually roll it out. And we're still not even talking about all of it, you know? Mm -hmm. This thing is also supposed to connect with Android tablets and iPads, maybe even the Playbook. It's not like BlackBerry Link is going to be on those devices in any kind of fashion. So they're going to have some kind of portal to bring that experience over. And again, is it full-blown, day one, you know, all of this that we've seen so far, or just bits and pieces, and they're going to bring it out piecemeal with updates? You know, It's really going to be interesting to see how they play it and and then in turn how they market it. Yeah, I I kind of wanted to future for BlackBerry Link itself, like, are they eventually down the road are just going to scratch Link and say, okay, we're just going to move to just one, uh, you know, complete station to handle everything that needs to be done, but, you know, being the integration of possibly Android and iOS devices, you know, maybe not, but, you know, it just, it's just something I, I, I'm thinking about uh, as far as with uh, Link and what they'll do with it in terms that's, of blend. That's, yeah. that's- portion that I'm not exactly entirely too sure on because uh, like Alex said, there, there's bits and pieces of it in there that would actually indicate some sort of link replacement but then again, there's other things that imply it not to be a link uh, replacement. So, And, and it, I think that's where we actually announced something nobody actually <laughs> Exactly, we don't even know. I go kind of back to what Brandon was saying. Imagine if we didn't need BlackBerry Link, and we had BlackBerry Link in the cloud securely. 
Well, it's you know? like um, be, like BlackBerry Protect on legacy devices. I know like most of the people I knew with legacy devices, they didn't even um, use the desktop software to back up their phones. They yeah. actually just used BlackBerry Protect, right? So I'm thinking maybe they might shift towards doing more of that cloud um, backup and then maybe eventually just turn blend into just for like the messages and stuff but who knows well when you when you think of it like if you go into the blackberry protect section right now it's all set up for you to be able to go ahead and restore a device from the cloud yeah but it doesn't actually work which don't they let you works do one restore when you go from legacy to be yeah, yeah. it lets you do it like that one time the one time it's weird so it's, it's half-assed at this point still. Exactly. <laughs> Another comment I want to make on blends and BBM on the desktop, I think even if blends does come, we're just backtracking on my previous comments, I do think we'll end up getting a BBM desktop application because um, in businesses or enterprises, not everybody gets issued a BlackBerry. Not everybody has a BlackBerry. Um, so they might just have a BBM desktop app so people can communicate from the desktop to... Absolutely, and in in with with the SecuSmart purchase that just occurred, I absolutely agree. You're right, Brandon. It makes such sense to marry BBM Voice and SecuSmart. I mean, yeah. encrypted phone calls. Gotta love that. Mm -hmm. Gotta love the money you can make on that. Yeah. <laughs> so when we talk about blends and we talk about 10.3, 10.3.1, we know that the passport is going to come out likely in September. Okay, and then later on, maybe November, maybe a little bit later, we're going to be getting 10.3.1 on all the other devices, including alongside the BlackBerry Classic launch. What if BlackBerry brought 10.3 and Blend with the Passport device and made everybody wait until <laughs> like a month or two and did just like some kind of marketing campaign focusing on all that the Passport has to offer? Oh, yeah, and later on, you know, all the other devices would get it. What would you guys think about that? I wouldn't be surprised. Like that that sounds like a typical Blackberry move, like seriously. That that sounds like something they would do. Yeah. But hopefully it wouldn't, but I, I wouldn't be surprised. I'll uh I'll counter that with um just based on Blackberry's focus being enterprise, um you know, enterprises they're not going to be purchasing passports in bulk. I don't I don't believe they will. I think they're going to want to please existing customers and want to attract existing customers with some of the cheaper offerings they have now. So like the Z10s, they want to like get rid of the rest of that stock, maybe sell off um, some Z30s and a feature like Blend um, would be a great opportunity to um, allow them to sell more of those devices because not every enterprise that comes on is going to buy the top of the line. Touche, touche. Yeah. That's a lot of money when you start dealing with top-of-the-line stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And and that's kind of why we're still as well waiting on this BlackBerry Z3 LTE, uh, um, lower-end device that could actually do well in enterprise. Uh, you know, if you sell that in bulk, I mean, the Q5s were doing pretty well, especially in, like, South America. So you wonder whether they, they, they do have some kind of cohesive device strategy. It kind of comes back to how the hell are they going to market this and get it, get it known, especially to their consumer base right now. Those enterprise users yeah. and the, and their legacy users. The, the passport did pass some regulatory, uh, you know, FCC and GFs, GCF rather. Did you guys think, like at this point, it's kind of looks like a very open device. The radio seems to support almost everything. 
Do you think this is going to be one of those kind of world devices that you can take all over the place? And do you think that you know all the carriers, at least in North America, will be on board when this thing launches? Well, I think we can count T-Mobile out. <laughs> <laughs> what about T-Mobile Germany, though? Deutsche Telekom? <laughs> T-Mobile Germany might be on board, but I doubt T-Mobile US is. <laughs> you know, if it's not a world phone, the classic definitely will be. I think they, they need to make one of them a world phone. They've always made, you know, the, the Tor 2 and all that. Those were world phones. Yeah, yeah. I feel like they, they need one of these two phones to be a world phone. I, I miss that. I miss that about, like, the Tor devices when they had, like, you know, the the tour and then you had the tour world phone like that was yeah. that was dope because it it didn't just uh you know appeal or I don't want to say appeal it wasn't specifically geared towards uh, a certain audience so to speak you know it was geared towards the global consumer um of the business world because at that point in time of course BlackBerry just completely ruled uh, the enterprise altogether in terms of mobile devices so I would love to see the passport like that I I don't think we will see a lot of carriers on board off the bat. I just hope that it doesn't have a long turnaround in terms of the being launched and then carriers picking it up. I hope it's no longer than a month, maybe two. Um, and that's just in terms of you know possibly seeing it released on AT&T first. Because I always, always felt not just because I am an AT&T customer <laughs> and it sound biased, but AT&T has always supported BlackBerry. No matter what, they, they picked up devices excluding the Z30, but uh, when BlackBerry does launch new devices, they're kind of on board right then and there from the front door to get those devices. So I think we'll see it, and then maybe a month later we'll see possibly Verizon. Uh, hopefully we see Sprint. I think Sprint's just been like cut short or cutting themselves short of getting these BlackBerry 10 devices out there. So hopefully I, I would love to see it on Sprint, definitely. No exclusivity BS. Yeah. The Z30, you know, come on, right? That was stupid. That was the dumbest thing ever. Dumbest. I, they probably Verizon probably paid up front, and it sounded like a great idea. <laughs> like, we want X amount of hardware. We're gonna sell all of it, and goodbye. <laughs> yeah. Good deal. But uh, I mean, they're probably still selling those. <laughs> <laughs> but and it's funny because you mentioned you know AT&T being on board. We saw AT&T branded Z30s. We right. saw. We saw oh, these. Oh yeah. These yeah. Multiple but... times, like in testing, but <sighs> they never they never ran with it. Right. And. That's... Getting a getting a branded device is easy though because you know they they build them in a certain production number and then they say here you go and they give them to AT and T to test out and then whether or not AT and T actually orders one that's an entirely different story. Okay. But so basically know, for testing. Yeah, I mean I could I could technically at some point get a Z30 with a Sprint logo on the battery door if I really 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 tried and wanted to. You know, at some point they tested all of that stuff out, and it just so happens that AT&T didn't massively order any Z30s. So they were like, "Ow, we're still paying for the Z10s." Like, <laughs> yeah. and also remember, as soon as you slip an AT&T SIM card into a BlackBerry 10 device, all of that AT&T stuff automatically populates as well, all their bloatware and shit like that. So, so you can make it look like an AT&T device easily. <laughs> Yeah, I'd be interested to sorry. I'd be interested to know how much um, gets added to the cost of producing a device, um, making it a world um, phone, as opposed to making it, you know, regional regional phones. Um, because in terms of an enterprise 
um, focused device. That would make sense because you're selling it to enterprises and they travel a lot. They're going all to a whole bunch of different places. So it would make sense to offer them an option like that. But I mean, you know, BlackBerry's not the only one that doesn't do it very often. Um, I got I got to imagine it has to do with cost. I don't know if maybe you guys know anything about that. Well, can somebody explain what a world phone even means? Because I'm sure a lot of the people watching might not even know. Does that mean that it yeah. supports CDMA and GSM, or like someone explain this? Yeah, I, I believe it does. But I, my my whole thing is, I was wondering if that falls in line with like the dual SIM uh, phones uh, that they're making available. And I think a lot of questions were asked: Were BlackBerry going to start uh, developing devices that were dual SIM uh, booty phones, which would be kind of dope, and I guess you know be labeled as world phones. Um, and, I mean, as far as what technically a world device, a world phone device would be, I couldn't tell you off the bat. I don't want to come out here and tell lies. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all kind of know, but we're afraid to say it because we don't want to be wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I would well, imagine it's something that can work on the various different, you know, um, radio frequencies around the world. Not radio right. frequencies. Yeah, uh, so, so it's, frequencies. it's one, one phone, one SIM. Yeah. Any, any kind of standard, you know, nano in, you know, you can hot swap and go, go in and out, and the phone will be able to support it, be able to take it across. Now, dual SIM is also cool. Imagine if you had a dual SIM world phone, which is awesome. You could have multiple lines on a, one device in different yeah. regions. Oh, okay, yeah. In, in low ends, people like dual SIMs a lot because when they cross the border, like their carrier stops. You know, yeah. but they still want to go visit and have connectivity with their friends, family in another region, so they just pop in the other SIM. You know, they. Mm-hmm. There's with some minutes, you know, basic, when, basic packages. When it really comes down to a world phone, just supports numerous bands throughout the world. So basically, if I go to, let's say I go to China or whatever, my phone is going to work there. If I go to the U.S., my phone is going to work there on the most popular networks. There, realistically, there is truly no world phone. There is no one magic device that's going to cover all regions, but... Satellite phone. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, what happened to those? <laughs> a, direct that, t- a direct TV phone. <laughs> does that the mean that one phone... The short yeah. of it is, is you jam as many radios into one device as humanly possible and sell it, and yeah. that it has the, the capability to connect globally. So the Verizon so, phone yeah. will work on AT&T and T-Mobile, technically? Well... So, like, it would work on, like, various different carriers throughout different countries around the world, but, you know, it might work on AT&T and T-Mobile in the U.S., but might not work with Verizon. But in Canada, it might work with, like, two or three carriers, but it might not work with all of them. Yeah, technically, see, the world world phone designation kind of goes off the limits because world phone is something that Verizon kind of deals with because they still utilize CDMA. The majority of the world utilize CDMA anymore. CDMA is pretty much a technology globally and yeah. you know there's very few carriers who actually still use CDMA. I was about to say didn't didn't Verizon aren't they a part of like the GSM, you know, committee so uh, something of that nature. Like I, I know they switched over like a year or two ago now. So Yeah. Eventually they'll have all of their stuff running on GSM compatibility. Yeah. But But until then we're gonna milk our network. <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of funny because in Canada, like, <clears throat> all, all the major carriers used to actually, except for Rogers, Rogers Rogers technically used to be the only GSM carrier because TELUS had CDMA and Bell had C, uh, CDMA. But eventually, Bell and TELUS ditched CDMA. So now, 
all of the devices. Like if I buy a Rogers device, it works on Bell, it works on Telus, it works on Kudu, whatever the carrier may be. Um, but previously, before that, a Rogers device would not work on Bell. It would not work on Telus and vice versa. You could never do yeah. that. Because, but now that everybody is on GSM, it doesn't matter where you buy the device. So if, if Bell has an exclusive on, let's just say, the Passport or whatever, I can buy a Passport from Bell and have it work on my Rogers account. Absolutely no problem at all. So. Yeah. Sometimes the 4G or LTE, depending on the frequency, might not work. Like, for instance, I know with the Z30, there's one that works, or well, it might have been the Z10, um, where the LTE worked better on, I think, Rogers, and then it doesn't work as well on uh, Telus and Bell. But yeah. for the most part, you can use the phone or devices. And then there was that, that special version, the 2700 megahertz band of the, the Q10, that yeah. didn't necessarily always work. People got flustered with that because at the time, even though Bell has 2700 megahertz, they didn't actually support it. They didn't turn it on and enable it everywhere. But Rogers enabled all of theirs. So. Yeah, and another thing is like with certain frequencies, like dealing with a lot of the spectrum auctions that you know these carriers get into. Um, I know for one thing that you know being that CDMA is an age technology and GSM you know, is definitely the way to go. I know certain frequencies are going to give you faster speeds opposed to different bands. Um, but, you know, that, that kind of brings up a big thing, too, amongst carriers, you know, in these spectrum auctions that are going on, especially, like, the one that's coming up, I think, that uh, AT&T or either Verizon were kind of, like, boycotting against. Um, and with these other carriers that are moving away from CDMA and they want to get this spectrum out there, one, the cost of changing their old CDMA technology over to GSM and then trying to also acquire this new spectrum as well to get those bands and move their speeds because it's all about saying that we have the fastest speeds, we have the most reliable uh, you know, data network. So that, that's one big thing that, that's come down to it. So it's not always the phone. It, it's really highly uh, on top of the carriers in terms of supporting your phones and the data and things in the nature. Drops Mike, <laughs> so, and, and I'm done. <laughs> so well, shortly after, um, after the you know passport passed the FCC, we Reuters got a leaked memo of the completion, quote unquote, of the restructuring at BlackBerry. It's a pretty upbeat memo overall, thanking the people who have stayed on for all their hard work. At this point, it's been three years. What do you guys think of actually saying that this restructuring is over? And where are you guys seeing us putting our foot next, so to speak? I'm I'm scared that when they end up firing someone, we won't have an excuse anymore, and then all you know, the stock's gonna drop. Like it's everyone's gonna go nuts. Before we had the excuse, they're in the restructuring phase, so you know, I'm just worried about this little stupid thing that the the media is gonna take it. Well, they're going to like you know that's yeah. they'll do that and worse. <laughs> yeah, and at this point, that's pretty much expected. But I think I think honestly, I think the memo actually leaking out was a good thing as well. Because uh, you know, sometimes sometimes there's some pretty crappy leaks, and some of the information that gets out there isn't exactly the best. But that leaked memo is probably one of the best because it puts a little bit more confidence out there for the people who are actually paying attention, at least. Um, right. If you're not paying attention to the the corporate structure and stuff like that, then obviously it's not really going to matter. But um, to the people who are actually paying attention, the investors and the, the people who do pay attention really hard, it's a good thing to know that, hey, you know, they're not 
they're not firing any more people. The, the restructuring is done. They're, they've completed the process and they've reached the point. And even as cliche as it sounds, BlackBerry was really a bloated company to begin with. They, they could stand with losing a lot of people. Um, you know, I, I don't have any numbers off the top of my head, but I do know that there was a lot of people that were working at BlackBerry that weren't really working at BlackBerry. They were just sitting around and collecting. <laughs> yeah, like they, they had like, right. they were near like Microsoft numbers in terms, well, I don't want to say near Microsoft numbers, but in terms of like the amount of employees that Google and Apple has, and yeah. as Facebook large as their company one. is, yeah, yeah. It's, like their companies are and, and what their magnitude of what their products are doing and where BlackBerry was, they were almost like competing in numbers in terms of their employees. So they've streamlined it. You know, the, the bleeding's finally over. They patched up the wounds. Now they're back in the fight. Uh, as, as Chris said, I mean, he's definitely boosted a lot of confidence into not just BlackBerry loyalists, but the employees that are currently there. It's definitely going to make them want to, you know, bring those, bring forth good ideas, uh, bring forth better, you know, products and uh, software and technology, and, and hopefully we just see like a big boost in terms of their turnaround, uh, in, in terms of production and numbers and sales and things of that nature they're going to do here in the next you know couple quarters. Yeah, I mean look look at the market cap of Facebook. For instance, they're like a hundred ninety billion dollar company, and BlackBerry is what we we don't really know four billion dollar. I guess we could say safely or five billion dollar safely. Yeah. Um, obviously, I, we think they're worth more, but whatever. But the thing is. BlackBerry had like six times the amount of employees that Facebook has. Like Facebook had maybe like seven or eight thousand people. BlackBerry had like you know twenty thousand or whatever it was at, and it was, it was like, like fourteen. It was, it was pretty. Yeah, pretty they, they had a lot. And so. it's it's it comes with the scale of which they rose. You know, they had they went global in a big way really quickly early, and to do that they had to pull in people to help you know support it. This global massive infrastructure that Balsilli was pushing, and of course bringing those devices to pretty much every continent around the globe. So. It, yeah. you know, it, as 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 we all know, it was something that needed to be done one way or another. And even even with that admission, it's not to say that BlackBerry didn't lose some great people along the way. I mean, realistically, they did. You know, they lost a lot of good people in terms of what was happening at that point in time. But again, they were still a bloated company to begin with. So right. I was going to say, like, wasn't it right before? Uh, for, right before Heinz um, took over, or like either right when he did took over, like then they opened up like hardware production in like Mexico or something like that, and it was really at a point where it was like, okay, you guys are on decline. Why are you opening up more like hardware, pro uh, you know, production like elsewhere in these other countries? I know like labor may be cheaper there, so to speak, but that's not a good move. So I mean, you seen what they had to do? They had to backtrack a bit, you know, get themselves realigned, and you know now they're they're then unbloated. I think they're off their period now and stuff, so it's pretty <laughs> Unbloated. They took some gas X and they're good now. <laughs> no, so we saw uh, as well toward the middle of the week that QNX was actually doing an interview, and they mentioned that they want to leverage QNX into a lot of sensory uh, machines out there. So they mentioned up a couple different ones. One was, you know, pothole sensing. So your car... Your QNX-enabled car is running over potholes, and it's going to send this information off to the municipality instead of someone cold calling in or writing a letter or you know, someone actually going out and seeing yeah, the hole. It's yeah. like, oh, damn, we should, we yeah. should probably fill that. Um, you know, to allow better, quicker, and more agile uh, response from the municipality over you know, to the Department of Transportation who needs to get all that sorted. 
Um, yeah. what, what do you guys think about QNX into these sensors? It's not a smartphone. It doesn't have any kind of user interface that you're going to use, yet there's a huge potential to make money off these kinds of things. It's, um, it's kind of like crowdsourcing with your car, um, but in terms of potholes. <laughs> like if you look at apps like Waze, um, where people put in their directions and they drive, and depending on how fast or how long it's taking them, um, other Waze users um, will be given other routes to go. So, I mean, it's nothing uh, like extremely different, but it's, it's, a cool, it's a cool example of how QNX is just going to be more connected into our daily lives and, and going to go towards improving um, how we use our cars in the future. Right. It, it's it's like people will read that title and they'll just say, you know, QNX, you know, QNX uh, pothole sensing. But honestly, if you look at the bigger picture, it's just the beginning of the end of things. But it's just completely how we operate. And instead of having to send people out, you know, in terms of the Department of uh, Transportation to look at, you know, various roads and assess them annually or so often, um, you know, the information goes right, you know, to their desktops. And they see, okay, I'm going to take a highway because we're getting reports from these vehicles you know, that are traveling along these highways that there is a great deal of potholes, so to speak. Or, uh, you know, roadways may not be vehicles to travel. Whatever the case may be, it's just a bigger picture behind it, and it's going on towards the Internet of Things. And I, I, it's, it's, it's a good thing. Um, hopefully it will become more of a global thing in terms of traveling um, and navigation and things of that nature. It's going to be a way wider perspective in terms of how we're just seeing it as of right now. Mm-hmm. Quick, quick side note. You know what's scary about all this, though? Um, I these companies like Waze and TomTom and stuff like that. They actually, whether you you know about it or not, they're actually selling data of like if you're speeding, they're selling it to local law enforcement so they can go pull you over to get tickets because you know that makes sense to them. So it's, once we start getting so dependent on you know driving around with a GPS, we don't even realize that we could be getting pulled over simply because you know we're speeding. There's like it's there could be cops. I don't know, it's it's scary stuff, I mean, but it's cool. A, it's awesome. At the same time, I'll counter that with that. That's already a reality in some states. Um, they have um, speeding cameras. Speed cameras, Europe, yeah. It's widely used. So yeah. I mean, that's they're just watching you, and it's an automatic sensor that does it. I I, I honestly personally don't see a difference between that and just having it in your phone. Um, what I get scared of in my own world is like I, I refuse to use Waze anymore because. I have my own little shortcuts that I go to work and stuff, but if I start using it and, and like the program starts seeing that I'm saving a lot of time, <laughs> it'll start sending other cars my way, right? So, and then it's and then it's not as good as it was. That could be an app. I, that could be an app idea, Brandon. <laughs> Hmm. <laughs> so after potholes, we saw a little bit about Nigerians giving up their droids for BlackBerry. It seemed very isolated in the report, but it is still interesting to see that. And there are some regions, mainly due to price, that are going back to BlackBerry. BIS is still very valuable in these markets where they're charging you, you know, tons of dollars for like three gigabytes of internet data, you know? So what do you guys think about, again, BIS, BlackBerry 10, and some of these emerging markets still clinging to their Blackberries? I think it's a good thing. I mean, also, with this particular article, I don't think a lot of people actually caught the fact that it was more so carrier-based. They read the article and they're like, oh, so what, Nigerians are going back to their, their BlackBerry 7 devices or their BlackBerry 10 devices because the article itself wasn't necessarily clear to say, okay, they're moving back to BlackBerry 7 devices 
or they're moving to BlackBerry 10 devices. The overall, the overall concept of the article was that these carriers in Nigeria are charging less for BlackBerry-specific plans than what they are charging for any other plan available. So you can get more data if you have a BlackBerry for less than if you have an iPhone or an Android phone, which realistically from the carrier point makes a lot of sense. It's, it's not about how much data your, your Android phone uses versus your BlackBerry phone or your iPhone, whatever the case may be. It, it was the plain and simple fact that the Nigerian carriers are charging less for you just simply owning a BlackBerry, period. And that's where a lot of people got lost. But I think it's, a, it's, it's a really interesting that they actually stuck with that because they know if they sell you, like, a certain amount for a price, right, on the Nigerian carrier for your iPhone and you use up all that data, then you're going to go ahead and buy more data. It's It makes sense from a carrier standpoint. And I don't know, I think it, I think it was just really interesting that the carriers actually went that road, and they never they never changed up their pricing scheme for BlackBerry devices. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't just filter. Like, I don't understand why they're doing are, are these Are these BB10 devices, they're still charging cheaper? They, they, didn't, they, didn't, they didn't really specify. Because, <laughs> yeah, because they, like, on one hand, it's good that they're doing it, but if it's just legacy devices, well, you know, one year goes by and there's hardly any legacy devices built and everybody's going to have to switch and, and then they're going to be like tagged with this. The article itself didn't specify, but the thing yeah. is that when we when we put the post up on Crackberry, there was people from Nigeria that were actually commenting and saying, yes, like, you know, I switched from such and such Android device to my BlackBerry 10 device oh, and that's I, paid, I paid less Oh well. My BlackBerry 10 device, and I get twice as much data as what I would if I had an iPhone. So it, oh, wow. it's not something like you know, it wasn't a misconception in the article or anything like that. These these yeah, okay. were actual people out there saying like this is true, like this is why they're doing it, and that was the really fascinating part. Even though the article didn't explicitly state, okay, they're moving to BlackBerry 10 or they're moving to BlackBerry 7, there was people saying in the comments specifically saying, yeah. They're going back to black, whatever BlackBerry device because no matter what you go to, you're getting more for less. It's just common sense. Like, of course you're going to pay. Why would you pay $60 for 3 gigabytes of data when you could pay $40 for 3 gigabytes of data, right? Yeah. This makes logical sense. And, and I, wonder, I wonder if the BlackBerry compression it, it has any kind of play into that carrier strategy and then them just not wanting to move off of it. Like BlackBerry's gonna, you know, compress it and, and lower the, the whole the overall data footprint on those specific users. Yeah, I don't know. That's 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 the interesting point about the whole thing. Like it's not to me it wasn't even about who's moving where or what devices they were using. It it, it really was the plain and simple fact that if you're using a BlackBerry, they're charging you less for whatever reason. And they didn't you know, they didn't obviously state any reason for it. They just that's the way it works in Nigeria. If you own a BlackBerry, you can get more data for less. I wish that's the way it is. Was just playing in the background right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's just the way it is. So after Nigerian, we had the uh, DSIA come out alongside BlackBerry, mentioning secure workspace on iOS and Android getting authorized at the highest level that they have right now for workspace containers. 
definitely a big win. It's something I almost assumed was already approved, but I guess now it's like officially approved. Um, yeah. Overall, the containerized strategy is good, but it's not quite what you have on BlackBerry Balance, where you have that you know one device with two actual profiles. Do you think that overall BlackBerry is going to have a secure enough method here with the secure workspace to be able to manage these devices on a broader scale? I mean, you got to think about it, I guess, away from iOS and Android and onto other devices that you could put these secure implementations on. Think about putting a secure workspace in your car, to pull in work data when you're in transit or on a train or in the air, all places where QNX works. I think it's definitely going to be something that the, the government will uh, take advantage of, um, especially if it's, a, you know, BES just being a cheaper service overall than any of the other competition that is out there, um, and it supports, you know, the other devices of other platforms. Um, it's a good thing to have, uh, especially for the government, a lot of those customers that are using it are going to be on the move, so to have that mobile workspace is going to be, you know, the big emphasis that they're uh, going to be pushing towards them. So getting that approval is just like the first step. You know, they got their foot in the door. Now they just kind of put it, have to, you know, sell the rest of the services to them, um, especially with blend and things of that nature that will be coming forth. Uh, it's only going to help out. So uh, I think it's, good. it's a great step in, um, in the right direction for BlackBerry. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't really complain. I mean... They're getting, uh, I mean, it's the it was the Department of Defense, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, like, you can't really complain. They're the only ones who got certified yeah. in this way. So, I mean, props where props do. I'm not really, I can't really speak too much towards the, uh, in terms of the, the security aspects of it, just because I don't know that much. But, uh, I mean, they've been improving consistently over the years with this stuff, getting more certifications. So, I can't... I, I, I can't see why they wouldn't continue that. Overall, it's just a good thing to have in place because they can they at least have that security credibility. It for people like us, it doesn't really necessarily mean much other than the fact that we know that they have that security capability right now and they're approved for it. It's still up to the Department of Defense to actually make use of it and put it into play. We don't know what's happening there because the Department of Defense, sometimes they, they have different structures of what pieces of the DOD can actually buy certain devices. So, you know, you may have one section that can, can actually use BlackBerry 10, but it may still be regulated on another section. So it's kind of harder to say how beneficial it actually is outside of just saying, yeah, it's great that they have that, that security credibility in place. So... It's, it's almost just like they're padding their pockets with certifications. It's like, all right. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's the other thing. Like, as long as they can keep, keep obtaining those security credentials, it opens the door to be able to say, why aren't we using BlackBerry? If they hear that one department of, uh, of the Department of Defense is you know, not using BlackBerry, well, then they have the opportunity to say, well, why aren't you using it? You're, we're the only ones that are DOD certified. Why aren't you using this? And that opens the door for discussions, and they can take that elsewhere, too. Like, that doesn't even necessarily just apply to the Department of Defense. That could apply to banks and 
uh, lawyers, anything like that. Like we're the only ones that are certified with this DSA compatibility. So why aren't you using BlackBerry? You no, know, no. If I'm really confusing about this DoD stuff, is that you know every few months or so we hear about you know Apple or Android getting some Department of Defense certification, and then we hear a few months after saying that BlackBerry is the only one that gets a certain certification for Department of Defense, and it just gets really confusing. Um, for someone just looking from the outside in on um, on whether like who's really winning this race like I would imagine it's BlackBerry um, because the article said they're the only ones that are certified but every few months you know the the stock like the BlackBerry stock gets like hammered because you hear some rumors about um, some departments in in the military who are switching to Android devices or something and that goes that goes back to what I was saying about the the Department of Defense being so, uh, I guess you could say separated in terms of what it is that they can and can't do. Like you'll have one, you will literally have one specific department that can use BlackBerry Ten, but maybe it's not on the approved list of another department. Which yeah, you know, that those departments could essentially at the end of the day be working together to keep the country safe, but yet. They still have incompatibilities towards what devices that they can actually use on their network. You know, yeah, it's so. I, it's weird. Like I, no, I was gonna say I hope that like you know with the news of what you know the German government is um, doing with BlackBerry will help give BlackBerry that leverage to push into other countries' governments um, in providing you know that mobile communication and security. Um, I, I think the I think the U.S. is gonna jump on it. I mean. It's something that they definitely need to, especially nowadays, because the way of the world is not going towards, uh, you know, in terms of war, I would say, it's not on the ground, it's not in the skies anymore, it's cyber warfare. So governments are very are taking uh, these uh, situations and looking at them very seriously. Um, the initiative, I don't think, is in the pace that they should be on, but I think BlackBerry being the first one knocking on the door to say, hey, you might want to, you know, look into us and look at our service that we provide in terms of security and all those different aspects. It's a good thing. Um, so I really hope that we start seeing numbers being pushed in terms of more information coming from BlackBerry for the federal governments and things of that nature. You know what I want knocking on my door? A passport. I want one really bad. And I'm sure there's some people over in the government who want one too, but they did announce a passport pre-registration, which is not a pre-order. It's like a get it, sign up to get an email about it when it goes live for, for you. I'm just did trying you to guys, see did you guys, Did you guys put your emails in? Come on. I did for the heck of it, yeah. <laughs> did you subscribe to get other uh, announcements about BlackBerry products and services? Always. <laughs> I, I, I love the, that they, they do this. They always try to gauge you know how, how what what the user base is going to be like before they bring a device, and they did the, they did the same thing actually with BlackBerry Z10. They still bought way too much. Of oh it. man! <laughs> <laughs> the the thing is, they probably got a lot of signups because people are simply curious. Every signup's not going to be a purchase. Obviously, it might be like one in a thousand signups is a purchase. Like, um, yeah, Chris, I'm curious. Are you looking to get a passport, or are you waiting for Classic, or what? No, I totally want a passport. Well, let's be honest here. I want both devices. I want the passport and a classic. But the passport, the passport to me seems to be the one that is it. It piques my curiosity more so than anything else. 
like the classic the classic to me is just another fancy Q10. So I'm not overly interested. I can be patient with the classic. You know, whenever it gets here, it gets here. That's fine by me because this is just a fancy Q10 as far as I'm concerned. Are you using uh, a Cube or a Z right now? Uh, no, I use a Z30 mostly daily. Okay. Do you yeah. use any? Do you use anything else in the mix there? Uh, Z3. Uh, I use my Q10 some days, but usually not really often. Uh, not awesome. really. <laughs> it's mostly mostly just my um, Z30 that I use daily. Uh, but I had, like I said, I have become a bit fascinated with the Z3 because, honestly, I, for some reason, I love the Z3. I wish that the Z3, I, if they come out with the LTE Z3, I'll probably end up on that device <laughs> because I like the, I don't, there's something about it. I don't know what it is. I like, I like the Z3 more than, kind of what I actually like my Z30. I was, uh, wow. Yeah, I wanted to say earlier when we were talking about the Z3, um, and what James had mentioned it being, you know, that lower end device, and it hopefully is going to be a big uh, hit in terms of selling it for uh, those, you know, enterprise uh, customers. Its form factor and just the pill of the device, man, is it's. I think that's one thing that is really going to catch a lot of eyes, especially when we see here stateside that people are going to like. It's not just a low end device that you're seeing. It looks it's low end, but it's a high end look, and yeah. the feel I think is what gravitates people towards it. Once they used it, it's just like man, I, as Chris mentioned, you just can't. It's just something about it you might not be able to get it out your hands. It's like you know, I don't care what the specs are. It's what you want in terms of the size. It's I, I told people, but that Z3. I mean, but specs matter. I'm confused. Doesn't doesn't the Z3 feel slower than the Z10? Because when I went from my Z10 to my Z30, there's a a big difference. So isn't the Z3 feel a lot slower than the Z30 and technically slower than the Z10? Or is no, that like it not, yeah, like, when I used it, it wasn't like that. It was no. it, it was nice. It has a better GPU than the Z10. Okay. So it's a lot fluider experience. When you have four apps opening, you're going through pages. Yeah, you're, you're going to see just a little hitch as you slide between transitions. But overall, it's just, it's a workhorse in itself. The only okay. the only issue that I have with the Z3. And realistically, it's not even an issue because I'm one of those people who really doesn't care that much about it. I can I can totally see how it would be an issue for somebody who actually does care. But for me, it's it's a non-issue because I just simply don't care that much. Like it, it does what I needed to do, and that's perfectly fine. And that's the the display. The display is actually brighter than my Z30, but oh, okay. As you guys know, like the, the display is upscaled, so it's not as pretty looking. Uh, again, is it LCD or OLED? Uh, I think it's the L same display. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's an LCD panel. So yeah, it makes sense that it's brighter. Way brighter. Yeah. And, like I said, the only difference is is that everything is upscaled, so it's not as pretty, but it's brighter. And as far as I'm concerned, it's great on battery life because it doesn't have LTE. It's stuck on 4G. It works on Rogers, which is perfectly fine for me. So I don't, you know, and the camera, I, I barely use my camera. So granted, I am a rather unique case when it comes to that because, like, like you said, specs do matter. A lot of people do care about specs. Um, right. But in terms of, of how I personally use my device and what it is that I expect out of it, I would be perfectly fine if somebody came and said, we're taking away your Z30 or whatever the case may be. 
We're taking that away. You, you're forced to use the Z3. I'd be like, all right, whatever. It doesn't make any much difference to me. I would just be like, happy as and, and maybe what James said about the GPU is um, attributable to the, to the next fact. The Z3 actually seems to run Android apps a little bit better than what my Z30 does. Less oh, pixels to render, you know? That, okay, that's got to be it, yeah. Side by side, side by side, I put them to the test. Side by side, I opened up each app individually, let it run, everything like that, load up. The Z, uh, the Z3 constantly beat my Z30 in terms of opening up apps and Android apps, that is, and getting them up and running faster. I'm like, holy shit. Like, it's good. And, and imagine, imagine a Z3 on 10.3. Yes, yeah, exactly. you know? it's gonna be a real, really consistent experience, and it's like, right. and I think even on ten point three, it can now open eight applications instead of four. So really, you you don't even see the the weaknesses between the devices spec wise, and it's something that again QNX is really good at. We're talking passport quad core three gigs of RAM and an awesome Adreno. Like this thing's gonna be blazing, and I cannot wait to get it. Yeah. I think with with BlackBerry users. Specs to us doesn't matter as much to Android users. I'm not even going to put iOS users yeah, yeah, in there. They, 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 they don't know. They don't know their specs the are on iOS. So, it's, an, it's an eight. No, right. And, it's but one thing about our users is we've just grown so fond of what the software itself does for the specs. You know, it doesn't put a huge load on the specs because the software itself is just... Uh, uniquely utilized and critiqued to be able to uh, respond in terms of the applications and anything else that it, it, it has. It's just, it does everything it does, it needs to do for you. It's optimized to run on the least amount instead of using the full amount of these specs. So when you look at a lot of these uh, Android handsets and things of that nature, you know, it's like, yeah, we have big specs and they're being overclocked. And it's being used to its fullest and that's why battery life and things of that nature is being an issue. And of course, you see these other OEMs that are trying to put out or marketing that you know yeah, our battery life isn't that you know it is great in terms of like Samsung. You know, you get a day of use and things like that with the S5 and whatnot. But granted, if you're a heavy user, you're not getting a day out of that device. I have friends that have it; <laughs> they're not getting a day out of the device. They might get a solid like 10 hours, which is good. Don't get me wrong, but at the same time, it's like. You're kind of false mark, uh, false market or false advertising, I should say, in terms of your marketing. Um, but at the same sense, I guess you aren't. But you're not getting a day out of the use if you're really on your phone a lot. You're still a wall plugger, sucker. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know when specs are going to become a, a big deal and BlackBerry is going to come across, you know, when, when phone blocks, if this, if and when this becomes a thing and people have to choose between having more RAM or more battery and stuff, that's when it's cool because you're going right. to be like, well, we only need two gigabytes of RAM and, you know, this phone here, they need eight gigabytes of RAM to do what BlackBerry does with two. So I could put a larger battery in it and put less RAM and get more, like, once this becomes well, a thing, then it's yeah. better to work off lower specs. Well, just think of it like this way. You build a better operating system that can run on less, those savings are just going to get passed on to the consumers. Your right. devices are going to be cheaper. It's going to be more accessible to more people so they can afford it. More people can afford it. It just has so many positives to having uh, a slimmer OS that can run on less. Right. 
Now, we all say that, but at the same time, <laughs> I'm willing to bet there's not one person here that would say no to a really specced out BlackBerry device. Like, you know, yeah. you know BlackBerry does need to, at some point in time, blow the water out with specs just to get people to notice. Like, they need to do something like that at some point in time. And I've been waiting for them to do it. Just put out a stupidly specced device just because you can and say that you did it to shut the people up. Yeah. <laughs> did, did you see the post on, on CrackBerry where people were like, guys, aren't you mad that the Passport is good specs? And like people are trying to start this revolt that BlackBerry is actually using some decent specs in the Passport. That's like, they need to do this for the consumer market, just to exactly what you said. Just yeah. to it's that. all about perception. I mean, yeah. people, people think... There's a, a vast majority of people out there who think like the 9900 is the epitome of the BlackBerry t experience, you know? Yeah. A, a device with 512 uh, megabytes of RAM <laughs> is, is like as far as BlackBerry took devices. Yeah. You know, they died, they got sold to Fairfax or something like that. I don't even know. <laughs> you know, it's like they have some really good devices. Even the Z10 compared to what was out there, be it iPhone, be it you know, whatever, was still, you know, Moto X, it was still a pretty good device. The yeah, screen was I, awesome. I like the hot swappable batteries. I miss that. And I want them to bring a slider or maybe even some kind of, like, you know, Z50. I, I hate using that nomenclature because really, like, they're not going with that anymore. Yeah. But some kind of Z30 successor to, to have, to have the, uh, the ability to, you know, have a better and more customizable experience overall. Yeah, but one thing about it is is that BlackBerry has done a good job in terms of the passport of really pushing this device and not even saying a word of the specs. They're just talking about what it can do for you in terms of the productivity um, and the why they've chosen this design for the device. And they brought up – you've heard nothing in terms of specs. And They're pulling an Apple. Yeah, it's and funny, it's like – they... You look on other websites, like websites that aren't <laughs> – Necessarily dedicated to BlackBerry, and they have like the totally wrong specs. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's crazy. Where did you even get those specs? <laughs> I don't even know where you came up with that. Those specs, those specs are better than what's actually on the device. Yeah, it's, it's, it's wild, man. Cause you're looking like, whoa, I actually have something better than the S5 on my phone. Are you serious? Like, <laughs> that's nuts. Like BlackBerry, like, am I? Yeah, that's. It's just crazy how, how these different companies with different focuses have different priorities. You know, right. Samsung, Samsung will put an octo-core onto a device that it can't even utilize. Yeah. BlackBerry will put a 2880 milliamp battery on a device last year and still have a bigger battery than the S5. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like, again, priorities and, and where BlackBerry is going and the, the further optimization of their OS. I mean, the Z30 with 10.3.1 is going to be awesome. It's going to be like a staple BlackBerry experience. Mm -hmm. Even the Z10 just feels like it has new life running that OS. Yeah, I feel like um, back on that sentiment about people wanting a specced out device, um, I almost think that now with this, this, this new age of devices, especially with the Passport, they kind of have to come out with a specced out device just because, like, I don't know if, if you guys agree with me or not, but I feel like BlackBerry devices sometimes they're priced on the higher end of stuff, right? And so some of the people now, they kind of want to have the specs to come with that price, yeah. To kind of bring up that you know that that image or that or that to have that perception of a better bang for for your buck with the devices. And and what we know at least so far of the suggested specs of the classic 
in the suggested price range, I think that device is going to hit such a good price point, such a good, again, to the market it's going for, I think they're going to sell it like hotcakes. Yeah, they're, they're definitely about quality over quantity, and, and I just love it about BlackBerry. I was hoping that that's what they would do, and they they are. Um, and they're finally getting a device that is worth the amount that, you know, they're going to sell it for. So that was my biggest thing. I just hope – I. I didn't want them to overprice it, but you're finally giving us today's specs with today's phone, exactly. not yesteryear's specs. And so I feel like I'm definitely spending my money, and I'm getting my money's worth this time around. Not to say that I never felt like I was so short because of the BlackBerry 10 um, experience, but it, it, it's it's all aligned now. The stars have aligned. So yeah, the optics around it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we have 10.3, we have 10.3.1 coming on the winds, but I think, what was it, yesterday, the day before, we just got 10.2.1 going on, going on a release regionally. 10.2.2, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 10.2.1 was June. Yeah, yeah that would be bad. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, like, some people are still getting OTA updates for 10.2.1, so. But it's funny because I, I loaded it onto my Z30. I'd be like, what device is this? Uh, I loaded it onto my Z30, and it is awesome. I don't know what it is. They refined some of the transitions between app pages and even the active frames. It just works really, really well overall. It's like my new. It's the new 10.2.1. It's like every 10.2.1 build like had one like problem with it. You know, be it battery life, be it you know your email wouldn't pop a response for you. They let you know that you've got it. Just tiny little nitpicks. And now 10.2.1 seems to really get it. But really, 10.2.2 is is not about us. It's it's about really Vodafone. And what they're doing with the SecuSmart chip to really add that extra compatibility and encryption to those devices. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, realistically, we shouldn't even have 10.2.2, like no. most of us. I mean, we're Canadian and American, so we shouldn't <laughs> even have it. We shouldn't even be running it. But such is the case that the OS can actually be transitioned to other operating systems. So. <laughs> Thanks yeah. to Crackberry, we're all running it anyway. <laughs> the, funny, the funny thing is, I downloaded it. I actually installed it this morning on my Z30, which is perfectly fine. That booted up fine. I went through it, and everything was working great. And then I downloaded the autoloader for my Z3, and for some reason it doesn't like the Z3 at all. It, at least that autoloader, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that autoloader, anything like that, but when I installed it on my Z3, it didn't even... It, it literally killed the device. Like I'm like, wait a minute, what's going on here? So I held the button down and pressed the the, the two volume keys and did a reset. Not I'm like, wow, that's weird. As you said, as you said, we're not supposed to have it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> kind of expected one thing to go wrong, but then I was like, wow, that's interesting. <laughs> I don't know if it was just like a bad download. Maybe it might have been because you know, Mega sometimes has issues with the. With actually completing the file, but whatever. Sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll download on Mega sometimes, and I'll, and I'll and I'll press it. I'll wait the hour, hour and a half, and then it just like doesn't download. Like it downloaded, but will never save to my computer. I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the pains of Mega. But I does love it. Mega. What What does this update actually bring? Nothing. Nothing. Just. <laughs> Improvements for those who need it on enterprise. <laughs> but also in the phone app, like I noticed someone posted in the forums that you can tap and you get the drop down call, text, or whatever. That's something that's coming in 10.3. They decided to just throw that updated phone app in there. Like there's little things, nothing notable. Mm -hmm. But 
Yeah, I feel like the browser is a little bit faster than what I was on. I don't know if that's the fresh OS load, but it's running really well right now. I don't want to even continue talking about it because it might jinx it and start <laughs> crapping out on me. So uh, after 10.2.2 launch, I kept saying 10.2.1, so I apologize about that. But uh, after 10.2.2, we had a very... We, we kind of covered blends. But we can, we, can, we can discuss the, the leak that was out there on, on Crackberry about the, how it's going to connect. I think it's pretty interesting that it, it's got an array of different connection types. Did you want to talk about that, Blaze? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about it already, you know? Yeah. Sure, we did talk about it, but it, it uh, you know, a lot of people were actually wondering exactly how it connected. Does it connect through, you know, the wirelessly? Do you actually have to use an HDMI cable or whatever the case may be? Um, so... Thanks to the, the new screenshots that we actually got of it, we know that it, it can connect through wireless, through Wi-Fi. Uh, it can connect through the carrier network as well, much like uh, BlackBerry Link does. Uh, if you have Link installed on your computer, you can connect it while you're uh, away from your computer through the carrier network. Um, and, it, of course, it connects through USB as well. So uh, those, are, those are the key points for it, and... Um, it also has uh, the companion apps, I guess you could say. So in order for everything to run, you need to download the BlackBerry Link app itself for your computer and the BlackBerry Link app for your device, which is, you know, that's that's not really anything different from what we're used to. You know, you had to, you had to download uh, BlackBerry Bridge at the point in time when that was uh, came out as well. So nothing really different there. It's just how it connects. But I think, I think it cleared up a lot for people because they were generally curious about how it was actually going to go ahead and connect to your device because, you know, a lot of people want to know those sorts of things. As, as far as I'm concerned, I'd just be happy with them announcing it and, and acknowledging its existence, let alone how it connects. <laughs> they should just they should put it into beta and like leave it there for a couple of months. Yeah, like, well, like BBM channels. <laughs> it's obviously in beta for some people. It's just not in beta for us. <laughs> uh, and I think you're absolutely right when you said that. If you know, at the at the point in time that they they put it together, they weren't necessarily sure as to what it would actually end up being as well. I literally do believe that they built it as they were going. They had a general idea and they built it as they were going and they they now have this this solution that they have come up with because we've we've seen the demos of it. Uh, you know, the the demo explaining it, but we also saw the demos of how it actually works. And those those realistically were very, very early demos. Um, I think that they were shown off at, at some particular yeah. I forget what what event it was, but it was like one of the European events or something like that. But realistically, that, that it wasn't even a functional demo. It was just pictures that were placed. It was more like browsing a website more so than an actual demo. But I think they've um, they've got a they've got a better understanding of what it is now and how they're going to roll it out. And I'm pretty sure everything that we've seen thus far has changed a little bit versus what is actually there now. So I'm so I'm so the excited. Question though is it will it come to playbook? No. <laughs> I think it I think it will I think it will and the only reason why I I say it will come for the playbook is because 
aside from the obvious signs of it actually being listed in the in the documentation in the files and everything like that, um, a lot even though we don't necessarily think of it, a lot of enterprise users still use the playbook. Even when you when you see like the announcements from BlackBerry, you know, like on their earnings call and stuff like that, they still specifically put in you can listen to this announcement on your BlackBerry playbook. Mm-hmm. They still have they have, still have a lot of uh, LTE playbooks seeded into Enterprise. Yeah, exactly. And um, you guys know you probably seen the images of that other playbook that was released, like the white playbook. Uh-huh. A lot of those 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 playbooks, those colored playbooks, were actually produced not necessarily in a mass quantity, but they were they were produced and they're out there. Those white ones are out there. The blue ones are out there in some capacity. Wow. And a lot of them were handed out to enterprise customers. We we may look at the playbook as you know not necessarily uh, a, a great product at this point in time anymore, or you know whatever you want to say about it. it. If we're not using our playbook, there's still other people out there in enterprise that are mm-hmm. using their playbooks for very specific reasons, and it makes sense for them to go ahead and do that. Enterprise is still on Windows XP. It's not surprising that they're... <laughs> well, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's the other thing of it. Enterprises don't update their stuff very often, and when they yeah. do, that's, you know, they spend a lot of money doing so. So it makes sense that they're a year or so behind, because, you know... If, it, if it's not broke, don't fix it, you know? Exactly, and that's why a lot of the enterprises are still using the old BlackBerry OS devices, because yep. it's, it's cheaper to replace a BlackBerry OS device than it is yeah. to buy somebody a brand new, you know, BlackBerry 10 device. However, yeah, enterprise yeah, shop yeah, BlackBerry. <laughs> exactly. I was like, but if you're buying from shop BlackBerry, you can get a Z10 for what is it, 299? So 300, yeah. and and then a 9900 yeah. for a four, like 399. Like what? Yeah. You can buy two 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 Z10s for the price of a, of a freaking bold 9900. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because they don't sell the 9900 in white. <laughs> so you couldn't even use that that little uh, coupon deal on it. I don't know. All these enterprises are going to end up like buying their stuff off of like Kijiji and Craigslist. And, <laughs> <laughs> and at least when it's used, you know it worked already. <laughs> so really recently, this has been like the talk of the last couple of days, and, and it kind of bothers me, and it kind of makes me laugh at the same time. But black phone. <laughs> rooted in in five minutes at the Black Hat conference, um, you know it's it's a security based contest. They were actually like trying to get it rooted, you know, so that yeah. they can find the exploit, patch it up, and continue moving with their product. But just the fact that it was busted in five minutes <laughs> kind of spurned the conversation between the, uh, the 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 group that hacked it, specifically an individual named Justin, and then as well the BlackBerry community. Like a lot of people were tweeting at him. Almost, almost, kind of changing his his verbiage around and making yeah. insinuating that BlackBerry was a little bit more secure than the Black Phone, you know, on these same things on the on the bootloader side and how they got through. Um, what do you, what do you, what you guys have probably read and and got a little bit of an insight on there? What did you guys think of the announcement and now the fact that that same group is now working, I guess, to prioritize hacking or cracking BlackBerry Ten? It's sad because it takes longer to jailbreak a iPhone. So, <laughs> to be rooted in five minutes, and you're supposed to you're you're putting yourself out there as a secure brand. You should really just sit down somewhere and take a break. And you're trash talking too. Yeah, 
<laughs> the, yeah, BlackBerry shouldn't, or uh, yeah, and their forums, everyone's kind of saying, oh, they should write up a, a, a post about this. I think the most classy thing BlackBerry can do is not say anything, because they ignored yeah. the response from BlackPhone, and now that it gets rooted, if they just don't say anything, then it's kind of like, you know, yeah, Black Blackphone is doing their own negative marketing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That that second Blackphone medium medium posting was like almost an advertisement for BlackBerry Ten. Yeah, like really half was. of it was like we found a little bit of information. We found usernames that have no association with anything. But the rest of it was solid. You know what I find funny is like a lot of companies like they don't really want to like say shit about BlackBerry because I really think they they find John Chin intimidating because <laughs> he, he doesn't back down from shit. He's kind of like that guy you don't want to go back and forth with the jokes. He's like, all right, guy, you started looking. You took it too far. And he'll just be like, all right, whatever. Like, you shouldn't have started this shit. Like, that's what I love about John Chen. He's just, he doesn't care. Even if he knows he's outnumbered, I just look at him as kind of like fucking Spartacus with like five soldiers and <laughs> Persian army and shit. Like, that, he, he's awesome. I like that. I don't know. Like, I think I think the important thing is I said in my post as well. It it's honestly not even news when an Android device gets rooted. These right, it's just yeah. like it's an expectation. Users almost expect that you will be able to go ahead and root your Android device. And I appreciate the fact that you can go ahead and do that rather easily. But I think when it comes to the black phone, there was a certain level of expectation that hey, maybe they probably did the due diligence here. And you know it's it's going to be a little bit harder to harder to root, which obviously isn't necessarily the case. I mean, they did it in like five minutes, so you know <laughs> that that level that that expectation of security and, and privacy and all that just sort of just went. It's just odd because their specific demographic is like spy agencies, you know, yeah. like like where they could actually get a hold of your phone, you know. And you'd expect them not to be able to open it up and just hack away at it, but that's exactly what it just proved could at, be done. At the same time, I think it's also important to note that it, you know, even though it is, it's a root exploit. They got into the phone and everything like that. It's still user based. Like the user has to recognize the fact that the phone is being rooted at that point in time. And you know, if it was, if it, if the situation was reversed you know for a fact we'd all be defending the fact that, hey, you know, you can't do this unless the user says so. So, you know, mm -hmm. it, it's not it's, it's not necessarily, you know, something to attack Blackphone over, in my personal opinion, because I expected it anyways, plus it still has the basis of user intent. It's just absolutely hilarious that that's the way that yeah. it was marketed, and that's how easily it was obfuscated. So, like, really? <laughs> Did it that quick, and this is the whole basis of it. Like, come on. And all Blackphone gave him was a T-shirt too, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the bounty, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, that's, that also of bounty. Speaking of bounty, just real quick, there's someone. I don't know. <laughs> someone put out there uh, that they're doing a little a small bounty of two thousand dollars, trying to raise money to egg on the. <laughs> The hacking group to try to, to try to root a BlackBerry 10 device, like bring it on, and it's like it just makes me it makes me wonder like why, like to what intent are we giving them money to try to hack our device? Because <laughs> lots of lots of companies do that. They do hackathons and yeah. stuff like that, where they actually get a bunch of hackers that come and try and hack their software so that they can optimize it. But I mean, when you're when you're a company that's uh, 
in charge of security for uh, you know most the, of the, the GA Department of Defense. But you're the golden standard yeah, of security. You pretty much don't wanna. You don't wanna be <laughs> getting hacked and stuff. Encouraging <laughs> it. And it's like it'd be interesting if they find a way in because I know on Playbook after 2.1, like the Playbook bootloader was gone. Like you could yeah. not touch it. Dingleberry dude just what was his name? Chris or what was? I forget what his name was. But he just gave up. He was like, I, I can't, you know. At least with the tools I have available to me, this isn't happening. That's what I was gonna say. Is that it? It, it actually raises a good point because, you know, it's one thing to say that it is secure, and sure, we can laugh at the fact that Black Phone only gave him a T-shirt for the bounty. It's pretty funny. Like, you know, <laughs> real realistically, it's pretty funny. But, um, you know, I. I still think that BlackBerry should should be involved in some way in those events. Like they said, well, how come BlackBerry didn't didn't sponsor any events or anything like that? I think they should be involved. Uh, we all know that those events are a little bit chaotic, and you never know who is actually going to show up to those events. Like there's there's track records of the NSA showing up to those events. Like they do talks there and stuff like that in previous years. You know for a fact that Apple has people down there scouring, waiting to see if they can find any exploits or anything like that. Uh, the real question is, is, the, is BlackBerry there as well, secretly or openly, in any capacity? Like, if not, then why not? You know, it, these, are, these are questions that may never get answered, but it's still something that BlackBerry should be involved in. They should, in some capacity, welcome that, that community to be able to go ahead and say, hey, you know, we, we at least donated some devices, we donated some money, we did something, you know, at least for that community, for some recognition, and to acknowledge the community. I think, I think it would be good for them to actually be involved in that stuff. But They probably are doing it, but it's an mm -hmm. internal thing, because they don't want it to get leaked, the fact that yeah. someone hacked the phone. They'd rather, oh, they hacked it internally, they fix it, and, you know, we don't hear about it. Yeah. Chen, Chen yeah. doesn't even want you to leak an OS. He doesn't want you to hack it. <laughs> yeah. Chen wants to be the leaker. He wants to show up. Uh, we have earnings calls and show people devices. We 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 uh, Jubei attended for us over at uh, the BlackBerry Security <laughs> Summit, and coming this Tuesday, we actually have a post that we're going to put out that has uh, the audio recording of the keynote. Yeah. An interview with John Sims, a little Q&A, one-on-one. And as well, just a little video montage of the event so people could get a feel for it. Um, and in there, he, at the keynote, John Chen actually mentions, he's like, I'm a great marketeer. <laughs> he, and then he says, yeah, drives PR nuts. <laughs> you know? So, so uh, it is funny that you know he just kind of goes on a whim and does these things. And, and you know, on the other side, you know, he's very f open about the devices and what they have and what they're bringing to the table. But then on the other side, as Alex said, they're not at these events publicly letting their devices yeah. being happen. They're very meticulous in the way that they execute on their strategy. So again, just overall interesting to see because again, you have enterprise customers that are a little bit more uh, critical than the you know average consumer. Mm -hmm. So a after we have that, we do have this bounty now on BlackBerry 10. What do you guys think? <laughs> do, you guys, do you guys think that they're going to actually be able to to get any kind of access onto BlackBerry 10? It is a consumer OS. They've taken away a lot of those security layers. It's younger overall, but it is running the QNX kernel. So, so what do you guys think? Honestly, I feel like anything is hackable. Like, right. I'd be surprised if there's it's, anything that isn't hackable. 
it takes the right set of eyes to look at it. It's yeah, like anything right. else. If the right person looks at these numbers and things that the majority of us don't understand, there's a lot of people out there that can understand it and bypass it. It's especially with the right person. Yeah, especially with everyday computers are getting more powerful and powerful. So security from yesterday that required like a certain amount of processing power tomorrow will be hacked because you just have like computers that keep growing exponentially that can do more processes and crack more codes, right? Yeah. So it's a it's a continually evolving um, cat and mouse game of trying to like stay ahead um, ahead of the curve in terms of security. BlackBerry just doesn't have the market share yet to make it make sense. Like you can look at Windows. Windows has so many viruses because more people use Windows than they do um, Mac. But then it's like everyone's like, "Oh, get a Mac," because there are no viruses for it. There are no viruses at the time because it wasn't used enough. It doesn't make sense for a hacker to invest the amount of time mm -hmm. to make a virus because it wouldn't affect as many people. So yeah, if BlackBerry starts getting as big as Android, then if you know. If buys a Mac, then you're just giving them a reason to target it. You know exactly. Yeah. But I don't I know. Mac was a virus. Uh, I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we have a, a good a good comment here on on the site from Sean, who's who's always watching. So we appreciate that, Sean. He mentions my wife's uncle used to work for QNX. They had a contest offering a hundred thousand dollars to hack the operating system. No one ever won. <laughs> it's just because QNX is is. <laughs> It's an OS that isn't used, so you have to, in, in order to be able to hack these operating systems, you have had to spend time with it, and you have to really know the uh, the, the operating system inside and out. Like, you know, I mean, me going to school and understanding and learning the ins and outs of how operating systems work, uh, as, as Chris has mentioned, like, you have to know the numbers. You have to, it's very tedious. It's almost harder than coding and, and, and programming, things of that nature, like, to, because one, you're going over what someone has already done. It's like you're reviewing their work and you're looking for the smallest imperfection to get your hand into. That alone takes a, a huge amount of time. So on top of that, if you don't know the OS, that's just what makes it extremely uh, even harder to you know, make it essentially happen. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because people don't even know they're running QNX. People who have BB10, they don't even know that it's running at QNX. But here, here's a big thing. Um, it's a microkernel. We've talked about this before. QNX is microkernel, which means it only has a few hundred thousand lines of code. You look at, like, Windows, it has millions upon millions upon millions of lines of code. So to find a little security hole within, you know, Windows is going to be easier because it's difficult to perfect millions of lines of code as opposed to 100,000 lines of code. So this is where, I, I, you know, Apple and Android, like, eventually it seems like they're going to have to switch over to a microkernel. And when they transition, it's going to be entirely new OS. Oh, like, so, 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 that's, so that's why Apple took Sebastian. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but honestly, though, you know, you make a great point. When there's less to go through, less to find and weed the bugs out of, it's obviously going to be more secure. And it's the difference between... I was actually going to put this in the chat, but I'm going to bring it over here. <laughs> it's like a, the, the difference between you know something being loose and something being tight. <laughs> Great analogy. Great analogy. <laughs> I should have brought it into the group chat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, well. So we do have one other question, and it's directed at you, Blaze. You're doing an awesome job as editor-in-chief of Crackberry. We, are, we're, we all see it. How's the transition been? Are you liking it? What what kind of challenges do you, I guess, see on, on your day to day? Uh, well, 
first off, the transition has been actually fairly easy because for the most part, I mean, I've, I've been with Crackberry since 2007. So I know the process. I know the routine. I know the people. I know the community. So that's that's pretty much standard stuff for me. It, it Realistically, on the whole, it wasn't necessarily too much of a change. I mean, I can do all that stuff. I've been doing it for a while anyways. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to have Kevin extol all of that information on me early on so that he he was prepared to do whatever. Um, some of the challenges, I mean, I've come to the conclusion that, you know, I can't really please everybody. I know um, within the community there's some things that Crackberry could definitely improve upon. I actually just put up a post about some of that anyway uh, while I was on this podcast <laughs> already, but uh, I put that up. Um, you know, I know that there's things that are that we we as Crackberry or I could be doing better, and I know that there's things that people want to see improved, and I take take a lot of that stuff rather seriously. Sometimes it's probably a little bit too much, too seriously because I get into the comments, I read the comments, and you know sometimes, you know that's that's not always a good thing to do. I I I love reading the feedback, but sometimes too much feedback is a little bit too much. Yeah, I, I hear you. I see the same thing on 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 my channel. I asked a a very simple like, what do you want next for BBM, and it got like hundreds of comments on yeah. on the channel and it's like some people yeah. just didn't get the question. <laughs> yeah. You know? Add it, me add me on this pin. Like something serious and it's like, hey I want people to talk to Adney. It's like what? <laughs> the, the big companies like Forbes and stuff, when they a lot of the people when they write an article, they don't read any of the comments because A, they don't want to start an argument in the comments and there's, you need to sometimes just post something and let it be and just ignore that you wrote it because you know there's some people that are there just to get a rise out of you. Yeah, exactly. well, unless you were BGR and you post this article about the Coscat emojis being like the end of the world, then <laughs> like, at some point you gotta say, you know what? Maybe I may have to defend myself in my article and what I do because <laughs> I got a point to get across in these stickers being the end of Western civilization. <laughs> so. Yeah, and I've had those moments as well where I've had to go ahead and defend some stuff that I've written before, but I mean, overall, I mean, Crackberry's going to be here. Crackberry's not going anywhere, so we're still here for, for everybody who wants to find out about Blackberry. I mean, what more can I say than that? The community isn't going anywhere, and I love everybody for it, so. Guys are definitely a pioneer in the game, so greatly appreciate it. Greatly appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't, I just really enjoy going to Crackberry these days. <laughs> there was a point there where I was, and I really didn't, didn't open the app, but now I'm opening it up all the time. It's staying consistent, and it's like, honestly, on Berry Flow, it's like, why are we covering news when you're doing it so well? Yeah. <laughs> you know? I, I'm trying to, and, and you'll see a transition here on Berry Flow over the next couple weeks and months where we're just kind of changing what we do, and, and you'll see a lot more of it, and I'm going to be a lot more vocal and clear as to what the new kind of direction we're going is, but you, know, you may not see a post every single day on Berry Flow, but we'll still be doing what we do. We're still here and very active, you know, with the upstreams and, and whatnot. But again, like you, as I said, doing a great job, Blaze, and I, I definitely love all the insight you bring to the BlackBerry community as a whole. 
I appreciate it, man. And mm-hmm. I, I noticed that you saw a comment because uh, there was at one point somebody was saying something like, "Why don't we do more stuff like Berry Flow or whatever like that?" I'm like, James is very unique in what he actually does on Berry Flow, and we're not trying to take away from that. I don't want to copy anything that you're doing because your content is actually great. And, you know, what you do is perfect, and you you recognize that, and you recognize that the, the stuff is good. So why would I even try and invade on that territory? Like, I realistically, that's part of the reason why I'm here, because I enjoy watching Upstream myself, and I wanted to come out here and, you know, just be a part of that as well. So why not, right? Definitely kudos, and you know, you know, I I do it for you know I don't put ads on the site. I don't do anything. I do it for the the team, you know, for Team Blackberry, and it's and it's all because of these guys right here, you know, Darius, Brandon, Alex, and everyone on our team is just phenomenal. We're oh all... man, you're gonna make me cry. You're gonna make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. People are gonna start falling out like, okay, this is getting a little weird. <laughs> but no, um, we covered pretty much everything we needed to cover. Do you guys want to bring up anything else? There is a looming beta that hasn't really been announced, and I'm not even sure whether we. Should can talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, we'll be very careful about what we say. I just want to say that um, the they okay the the board, the message boards. I should really try be very careful. Uh, just the forums and the, the message boards. Everyone is very on topic. It's not like someone posts something and then it's they start talking about something totally different. Everyone's on topic, bring up very good points, and it's organized. And this is something where. You know, the Crackberry forums, they did an amazing job with this. But, you know, when someone posted a new leak, there's so many people downloading it, so many people, like, you know, repeating things like, this isn't working, how do I fix this or what's going on? And it gets repeated 50 million times. So the thing is, this is a lot more focused. I think it's going to be more useful to Blackberry because there's less noise and it's more controlled. And I'm just extremely excited about the direction they're taking this. You know, they were able to fire or get rid of the internal testers and bring this external. We're doing it for free. We're, we do it because yeah. we love this. So I'm just so excited about this. I think it's a great move. It's always like, yeah, That's it's something always, that people have been asking for for years. They wanted that for years at the BlackBerry. Yeah. Why, right. do you, why, why don't you welcome the community? Like, we've all been here for several years now. We know we rather than, you know, us tearing apart this this post in the forums or on Twitter, whatever the case may be, why not collect this information from us? Why not collect all this feedback and actually put it to use? So, you know, without saying too much, I'm glad that they they sort of opened the doors a little bit more to the community and welcomed them in so that they can actually collect that information. And it's good because people people feel... uh, you know, closer to the company at that point in time. If yeah. they feel like they're being heard, which is important. Yeah. That's, that's, right what, that's what BetaZone is all about, you yeah. know, being a part and contributing to the growth and build of those different applications, OS, etc. We had a conference call uh, several months ago. I don't want to say it was recent. It was a couple months ago uh, with a n- executive who is no longer with BlackBerry. I will say that. And they had mentioned, you know, as we curb these leaks, as we cut down on the leaks, we're going to open up beta zone to more things. And I'm not yeah. going to I'm not going to go any deeper into that, but it is definitely good that they're bringing the community in because we are such an awesome community, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> team uh, Team well, gets it done when when there's ever anything to poll on or we need to go all vote, we all go, we yeah. all support. This yeah, is one, definitely an, an awesome thing team. That I, I you know, I love about Blackberry and is also kind of like I hate is that well, Blackberry loyalists, you know, as as fans of the company, 
we're so passionate about BlackBerry and everything that they're of when it comes to these leaks, when it comes to, uh, you know, upcoming features and software that they're coming. We're, we're so passionate about it. It's like we almost take it as if it's ours. And the biggest thing amongst us in, in terms of the BlackBerry community is that we all want, like, credit for something that isn't ours, whether it be screenshots, uh, leaked information of any sort. We almost like, no, that's mine. Like, it's not yours. It's actually BlackBerry. So <laughs> you should calm down because the next day we're all going to have this information in our hands. Mm -hmm. So what I would love to see from the BlackBerry community is just honestly just, you know, people just being open-minded, being open-ended uh, in terms of being opinionated and, and not really being so uptight on this information. You know what I mean? It's, I understand that there are things like NDAs and things that are nature that are involved. Mm -hmm. If it's that serious, then you shouldn't share it. But understand at the end of the day, it's something that we're all looking forward to, that we hear things about. And if you put it out there, then it's okay for the people to have a little piece of that. But, you know, as far as the big passionate end of it, I think people, we have to kind of stray away from that and, and, and really give the feedback back to BlackBerry that they deserve. They just want to keep that going. Nicer to each other. Just be nice. Hey man, it's just a phone. We're all we're all we're all enjoying right. the same device. It doesn't need to be so much contention. Right. Exactly. Like there's for me, there's like no competition between any of us or anything like that. We're all here for the same purpose. We're all here for Blackberry. We're all here enjoying our phones. At the end of the day, it's <clears throat> just chill. <laughs> it's just a phone, bro. <laughs> it's, not, it's not your firstborn, we promise. It's not. Exactly. <laughs> chill. The good thing about the uh, the beta zone, I find, is that because uh, a lot of the the CrackBerry addicts and the BlackBerry uh, BlackBerry fans, a lot of us can sometimes be like the hardest the harshest critics when it comes to oh, yeah, no BlackBerry doubt. 10 and the yeah. OS. And on top of it, nothing when it comes to testing, nothing beats having it in the hands of the people who are going to be using it and having it go through like the the real day to day paces. Because um, what I've heard from people is that this 10.3 beta OS, they're going to be able to download it, I've heard. And so they're going to be able to use it. And, you know, through real-world experience, they're going to run into the bugs in their daily their daily use. You know, sometimes in, in a testing environment, you might not go through all those specific steps. Yeah. Um, in that, you know, not everybody does things logically. Uh, that's just the nature of how things work, and so uh, this will be really good for them. And I'm really excited to see. I'll be interested to see if 10.3 actually does come with less bugs because of this or not. Yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's a great point, actually, to, to bring up, Brandon. That, you know, it's in, it's in the hands of the hypercritical fans who are going to make sure it's awesome. <laughs> and, you know, we, we kind of glossed over this very briefly when talking about 10.3, but... Uh, Hab, Habkirk villain put out there as well that you know Hub is going to be dark theme enabled on 10.3.1, which That's is awesome. And Brandon had mentioned that that was you know pretty high up there on the list of things in in there. What's the the, the forum called? I can make it better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're listening. They got their yeah, ear, they got listening. their ear to the ground, and they're working with their 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 customers, their fans, and you know, of course, their enterprise groups as well to make sure that this thing definitely delivers. So I'm I'm here definitely to support them and continue using a BlackBerry. I need a passport BlackBerry. You can send it to. I'm over here in Florida. Don't they have a, Don't they have like a little HQ down in Florida? I don't know what they got in Florida. <laughs> I, think, I think they got something. Does Crackberry have a facility, like a warehouse down in Florida? 
Yeah, the some of our shops. Uh, so the the accessory shop is based out of Florida. So that's where I need to raid. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, guys, we have one person in a warehouse with a BlackBerry who's, who's there looking after the accessories. He's looking after all the BlackBerry accessories with his Android. <laughs> no, but let's let's wrap it up here. There was one last bit of news that literally just came to us today via James. Is it Muir? 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 Muir. Developer of Red Light of Love, who's also behind the application Snap, which I'm pretty sure all the diehards are already using. Looks like version 3 is coming, and it's taking some of the material design aesthetics from Android and building that into the UI. What do you guys think about that? We had, way back in the day, was Droid Store? Was that what it was called from, yep. from, from Oliver? And yep. it, it also tried to model the Google Play look and feel. Uh, I honestly liked Snap because it looked like BlackBerry World. Like, logically, it worked like BlackBerry World. So it's cool. It'd be cool if he could kind of combine the two, <laughs> give us the logic of BlackBerry 10, but the, the look and feel of, of Google Lollipop, whatever it may be. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what the L stands for? Oh, man. The L no, stands for love. Oh, man. Good love. <laughs> no. <laughs> or the love bug. I, I think it's great, man. I, I like the look of it. You know, we were talking yeah. about it earlier. If we had that, you know, same conversation we had earlier, it kind of sums it all up in how we were talking about them, you know, bringing the uh, materialistic design um, to Snap um, and, and emphasizing that. And also with the materialistic design, having the flatter look, you know, it, it, it transitions well with BlackBerry uh, 10.3. Um, but, you know, one thing I just hope that, you know, the flat look just doesn't become a stigmata, and I'm kind of anxious to see which OS is going to be the first one to kind of break the mold later on to come with the new design. You know, Apple has always been the first ones to do those things, but, and I hope, you know, in a couple iterations later that BlackBerry not only kind of perfect this flat look that they're looking on to, but, uh, you know, break the mold also to kind of veer away from it a little bit, so that's what I, I'm looking forward to seeing, but Snap, to get back to Snap, it, it looks great. Can't wait to use it. Um, I, I know I'm a huge fan of it, so I think I know I'm going to use it more than the Amazon App Store, definitely. It, 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 it makes you wonder why the Amazon App Store yeah, is needed. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of funny because the Am or, uh, Snap version 3 will probably look better on a BlackBerry 10 device than what the Amazon App Store <laughs> Exactly. Definitely. I think that you know there are things against black like for BlackBerry to tie into the Google Play Store, they probably need to make these agreements with Google. It, maybe Google doesn't even want them to do it. So like yeah. I'm sure that they're supporting Snap internally. They can't talk about it though. That's why they had to make this partnership for Amazon so they can talk about it. Yeah. So you know that, that partnership had to happen. Something yeah. had to happen in that arena. To be able to go ahead and get Android apps on there, it, whether or not it was the most ideal situation or ideal deal that could have been made, well, that's argumentable, but whatever. If you go into Barnes and Noble, there's a huge section of books, you know, for dummies, and <laughs> the Amazon store for me at least is the Android on BlackBerry 10 for dummies yeah. for people who just don't want to even think about or bother with having to learn how to sideload, even though it's. Remarkably easy. <laughs> well, we we seen it coming. We seen marketing in other countries, you know, uh, with the ZG, Z3, excuse me, um, and they were saying Android ready, and people were like, well, if it's Android ready, how do I get these apps? Well, 
here you go. So now you have it, and it's a good thing. So. And ironically, over there, they were they were mm-hmm. helping people, kind of helping customers in the store install yeah. mobile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On your way out, here's the other store you need to actually be Android ready. Here you go. I'm like, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm like tech support for my family. Every time my mom yeah. like has to restore <laughs> the phone, she's like, "Can you install Snap for me?" It's like. <laughs> Come on. It's kind of cool that your mom knows about Snap, though. Yeah, my There's some props there, man. <laughs> yeah. She uses the uh, Up by Jawbone. She has a Jawbone uh, wristband, and it works with her uh, with, with the Z30 and stuff, and she uses the Android app. So that's just a testament to how far the Android runtimes come, you know, that even my mom, who's not even, like, the most technological person, uses Android apps to... To do daily stuff, right? Right. That's dope. Let's let's clear this off in about like five minutes. I do want to talk about one thing that's pretty ironic and kind of kind of amusing, sort of. That you know, Foursquare broke off, no longer does check-ins. Still works on BlackBerry 10. Facebook <laughs> split off Messenger, not a separate standalone app. Still works on BlackBerry 10. <laughs> it's like again, the experience that we have on our devices is is one. I think when we look back maybe in a couple of years from now, we're going to look back at this experience and wonder how we ever dealt with something so like not agile as BlackBerry 10. I swap, I swap between a Windows phone and the BlackBerry sometimes while I'm testing BBM on that device, and it's such a, a cumbersome experience working through a Windows phone compared to BB10. You know, yeah. just hopping in and out of the apps, and it seems like they've all kind of derided the same process, that they all use the playbook-style card system in one way or another. They may pretty it up on Android, but it's more or less the same thing for background tasks. I just love how BB10 just has a totally different mentality on it. As we Out of all the devices, mm-hmm. I can't. Windows Phone is like one of the ones that I absolutely cannot use. I can use an Android phone absolutely fine if I had to. I can use an iOS device absolutely fine if I had to. But when I start using Windows Phone, I literally get lost in the menu system. Like yeah. I'll tap in, like you know how how it goes in, I mean, for those of you who use Windows Phone, you know, you tap on something, you go inside of a menu, you go inside of the system, you go inside of the app, whatever the case may be, yeah. and it's constantly just pages, it's like turning pages in a book. Exactly. It's not. At the end of the book, there's no clear way to get to the front of the book. <laughs> so what I always end up doing is actually just exiting out of the app, like, and reopening it if I had yeah. to somewhere mm-hmm. or something like that. Like the, I just get totally lost in the UI. And it's like, it's the, like the exact opposite of multitasking. It's like mm-hmm. it literally makes you stop, go, stop, go, and yeah, I feel the same way when I use it. It used to friendly is not it, it's not its forte at all. It is like the complete. It is like anti. Oh my god. Anti Christ of user friendly. <laughs> I, I had to use like a tablet 8.1 like Windows tablet, and I was like, "What the fuck is going on? <laughs> like, Where's the start button? There's like shit coming out of everywhere, like on the they side. Got, on the they top, got charms. Like, they got like, lower menu. What the fuck? Isn't it segmented too on on the phone where which I know. You know, there's the universal search in iOS and you know BlackBerry 10 or whatever. But I, I was told that to search for a person, you have to go into the People app or the Contacts app to find the person. Whereas on BlackBerry, you can just click Search. There's a universal search, and it'll search every app on the phone or whatever. People um, are going to be using the fuck out of Cortana. I can tell you that much. Yeah. Yeah. Really <laughs> yeah. I need to find this on my phone, Cortana. Can you help? No. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see. Like I, I just. I, I wish BlackBerry was more active on YouTube 
just kind of going out there, like even if it's a cheap campaign that they did themselves, put something out there. You know, a lot of the, the, the material that's out there, be it images, video, audio, is all dated. You know, so a lot of it wasn't even updated for BlackBerry 10. Yeah. It's like, just, just get something out there that's fresh, that, that says who you actually are today. Not the BlackBerry of 2009 or 2010. Who, who and what is BlackBerry today and why does it matter? You, know? mm-hmm. you, have, you have Maluba. You've got an awesome keyboard. You have an awesome OS. You have an awesome messenger. You literally have like the staples and an awesome browser as well. I forgot to mention that. It's yeah. like you have all these great experiences, but you don't talk about them. Well, you, I mean, you, you'll market a yeah. device, not the, the usability of it. Well, that's that's exactly why there's all this emphasis all of a sudden on on the Android runtime and, and Android integration, app integration, is because they don't have to focus on you know building you know the Facebook app or or the uh, I think did they do the Foursquare app or something or mm-hmm. some or LinkedIn app or something? Sure. Yeah, they don't have to waste their resources doing that. They they just have to focus on what makes the phone great, and then when it comes to third party apps, you know, just let the the marketplace go and do that, and they don't have to worry about you know attracting um, the next big hit app if they can just make it run on their phone. Yeah. I, I definitely agree. Getting getting apps into people's hands is pretty much the the key in mobile right now. Right, and then they can focus on what they're good on, just on on the device, which no one ever no one's ever doubted that they make solid devices. It's just the. It was just always like, especially since I got BB10, the main the main barrier for a lot of people was just mostly apps. It wasn't even the device. People, a lot of people, really said the device was solid. It was just that you know they didn't have the Instagram. They didn't have a whole bunch of stuff that people are accustomed to using now on their devices. Yeah, BlackBerry's never had a problem with hardware. It's always just the apps and the perception yeah, yeah. or the lack of apps that is available for it. Mm-hmm. About the BlackBerry Passport, I think there, there, there's also been the problem where nobody wants to pick up a BlackBerry device to actually go ahead and learn how to use it either. And to a certain point, I think that the BlackBerry Passport will actually help that as well because the BlackBerry Passport is weird enough to actually get people to pick it up and start playing around with it. Yeah. Just weird enough to say, what the hell is that? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's, yeah. it's starting to get that nostalgia back, and, and that's that's awesome. Yeah. One thing I I, I don't want to kind of get like my Steve Jobs on, but I think the world <laughs> is finally starting to steer away from like I don't want to say they're steering away from applications, but they're steering away from the need of this multitude of applications because uh it's starting to go towards where there's that one application that the people just want to use. People just want to use Facebook. People just want to use Instagram, Twitter. And what have you. And if it is for other various reasons, then they only want like this particular app by this developer for this use. So in terms of applications, we're going to see, you know, a shift in the next, honestly, I feel like in the next five years that that's not going to be what is going to bring you towards a phone. It, it yeah. is going to be security. It's that's going to be yeah. the top priority. It's going to be security. You want security. You want secure messaging. You yeah. want quick messaging. And I think that's just the way the world is it's happening. I think it's going to be, I think the next big thing in mobile devices is going to come down to the virtual assistants on the uh, different OSs. Because if you think about it, they've made such tremendous strides. Um, I know on iOS, um, Siri 
you know, basically does the function of a whole bunch of different apps and on Android, Google Now as well. Um, yeah. It looks like Cortana will as well, and the BlackBerry Assistant looks like it's gonna it's gonna plug into a whole bunch of the core apps. So so you no longer need to have one app that can like a third-party developer to create an app um, for you to be able to do multiple things. You have this one virtual assistant that's really going to be able to search the internet, do a whole bunch of different things, and help you out. And I think the virtual assistants are going to be the next, um, in terms of apps, they're going to be the next big thing that's going to attract people to operating systems. I, you know, I, right. <laughs> I definitely agree. Imagine, imagine a world where the the voice assistant works beyond the phone. It's like, uh, you know, tell tell my car where the nearest gas station is, or you know, mm-hmm. uh, put turn the AC on before I get to the car for me. You know, different things like that where you know your devices can again work together, utilize Project Ion's QNX cloud base. Here's a question: When it passed, when the passport passed the GCF, it was labeled as Pass Capitalized Port. Do we think that's going to be something moving forward, or is it passport like a general user passport? Nah, I think that was just a typo in just there. Just a typo. I, I'm hoping so because I like it. I like that it's very clean, simple, ubiquitous. Everyone knows what a passport is. I mean, if you look, if you look at everything that BlackBerry themselves has written, yeah, that's true. BlackBerry Passport. There's never been a differentiation between the capital P and the lowercase p. So right. yeah. obviously, BlackBerry would be very concerned about their own marketing. Yeah. Custom, custom, customs is gonna sue BlackBerry for them. <laughs> you know, you know, p- piggybacking or piggybacking off of what uh, Darius said, um, he mentioned like it's gonna get to the point where it's not so much about the apps; it's about the core experience. And a good example of this is looking at iOS 8, the beta that's going on right now. They're finally introducing third-party sharing. Um, so that means, like, say that you're within an app you can share to a third-party app, say, for instance, like Black is a Twitter client. BlackBerry's had that since day one. You can go in through the share framework, and then the card mm-hmm. pulls over. You don't leave the app. You share it to Black, send, and it brings you right back into the app. iOS and these other apps haven't had that, but this is something that BlackBerry's had, and it's just part of the core experience. And it's actually, app. like, one of the best... Um, features of the OS for developers. Yeah. Like it's just like if you go in almost any single like native app on BB ten, you're like I I guarantee you like you have a ninety five percent chance that there's gonna be a share button in yeah. that application because it's just they did such a great job yeah. on it. The share button's not just a share button. Like you can share to Dropbox mm-hmm. to upload stuff it's like it is insane the power that this share button has that a lot of people don't even use it or know. But I'm sorry, I was reading our group chat and Darius calling you out. <laughs> anyway, we, we we went way over time on this one, guys, because we're having such a good time. But I really appreciate having you all on for this number nine upstream. We'll definitely be there for you to replay uh, later at your earliest convenience. And we'll have it, of course, inside of our Berry Flow application as well. Blaze, we really appreciate having you on. And you know, maybe, yeah. maybe 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 we'll hop over. When's Crackberry doing their next podcast? <laughs> That's the thing. A lot of people have been asking for a Crackberry podcast, and uh, realistically, I, technically, Kevin kind of fired himself, and Adam is doing Connect at least. So I'm so a little. Here, short so, on here people. so here we are. <laughs> I'm a little short on people to actually podcast with, unless I want to rope them into actually doing it. So. <laughs> we're we're here and easily accessible. We're already we're on top of the for you. you. 
<laughs> yeah, well, thanks for having me on. I really, really uh, appreciate it. Like I said, I wasn't doing anything else, so it seemed to make sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, guys. Take it easy. Have a good rest of your day. Take it easy. All right. Later. Later.